introduction, um, we usually just spend some time on that uh, tonight, so we won't get into the book much tonight. It's going to be more historical uh, information. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I think I'm going to do it a little differently than I've, I've preached through it uh, two or three times throughout uh, ministry, and but so I'm going to <clears throat> do it somewhat differently uh, this time and, and uh, open it up for questions if you have any along the way. So <clears throat> I really do want you to to um, be interactive with me if you can, and maybe tonight won't be so much, but there might be some questions along with this uh, even tonight, <clears throat> and hope that this will give you an idea of just some of the historical facts about the Revelation and uh, the author. The Obviously, we know that God's the author, but he used uh, John to pen the words and, and to write what he saw. I, I can, uh, it would be, <clears throat> think of any of us that God would take and do what he did with John and show him a vision of something that is going to take place and, and him John not knowing this but apparently now we know that it's a couple of thousand years later and who knows when when uh, this will take place I believe it's soon but can you imagine John trying to describe what he saw with his vocabulary, with, with the his education, and to be able to, could you imagine someone that grew up in an era where you use spears, bows, and arrows, and, and then he's looking into the future of uh, futuristic battles that <clears throat> I'm not sure... Uh, what will be used in in the battles during the uh, uh, tribulation? I I have a feeling that from what I can read that uh, you read this and he he talks about horses a lot and it just seems like uh, so much of of this battle is is going to go back to uh, some of the Middle Age warfare because it just seems to me like a lot of the the military equipment is not going to be able to be used and so <clears throat> which makes sense too in today's society everything is so electronic uh, everything could be shut down and so uh, some of the battles I believe are going to be very much like what they were in the middle age and and uh, but we'll get into that later but <clears throat> I just want to give you an introduction to this and so some of it might be more of a lecture type of, of situation and setting, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. I, I, I don't know that we will go through this verse verse by verse in uh, preaching it, but maybe that will be some of your homework where you can go home and, and uh, read ahead and, and be prepared. I know that the next message that we look at will be the seven churches, and so if you do want uh, some of the... Uh, you want to get ahead, then go ahead and read the first three chapters of Revelation and read them several times if you would like. And when we come back together, we'll be looking at uh, those seven churches. We'll also be looking at the vision in chapter one, uh, <clears throat> dealing with the vision of Jesus Christ that he has here in chapter one. So actually, the next time we meet, it may just be spent on 
what he sees in Christ here in chapter 1. But we'll see. But go ahead and read the first three chapters. It won't hurt. <clears throat> but the revelation and, and uh, we, in, in my Bible, it says the res- re- revelation of St. John the Divine. However, it really is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It, it is talking about the revealing of, of Jesus, the uncovering of, of of who Jesus is as a uh, as the uh, uh, Lion of Judah that we shall see and and uh, it it also that word has the idea of a disclosure so letting us know more about uh, who he is but this is also the word that we get uh, in the English word apocalypse and so the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. And so <clears throat> all of that, or um, you can use any of that, and you find also that Revelation is the only apocalyptic book of the New Testament. You have a couple of them uh, in the Old Testament. You have Daniel starting in, in chapter 7 through uh, chapter 12. That's apocalyptic. It's dealing with uh, uh, future events and and prophecy, uh, and we also in 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 we see often in Daniel when Daniel was given those kinds of visions, uh, it tells us that he was sick, he was bothered by that, he was quiet, he went and and hid himself alone to try to meditate and actually think about a little bit of the the weightiness of, of what he was writing. And uh, I think it always goes back, you know, so often I catch myself in my own thinking how, how we want, we really do, I do, I want God to, to bring judgment on the wicked. And we, we see the, the way that the, the immorality that's moving forward, we, we see the, uh, all, all of that, the, the wickedness of our world today and and you just you you think that you want God to bring that swift justice and swift judgment and His wrath upon them. However, when you go back and and you read in the passages and and I know in Psalms David cried out for that quite often. But then uh, you you look at those who really saw just a glimpse of the wrath of God, and they were begging God not to do that, even to the wicked. I mean, they, they did not want to see the, that kind of wickedness displayed uh, or the, the wrath on the wicked uh, displayed like that because of, of how powerful and, and truly how terrifying it was. And so I think that as we study this, I do believe that we need to have an, an definitely an attitude of humility and, and truly as we read through this, you know, we're not reading this and, yeah, you know, good let's let them have it and and rather it ought to encourage us and and uh, compel us to uh, be telling more people about uh, salvation and and telling them about Jesus Christ and and the importance of making certain that you are on your way to heaven and so what we'll see then is a revealing of Jesus and and really the climax of of human history is what we're going to have here in the book of Revelation. And as we study this, I'm going to <clears throat> do my best as I 
study it on my own also, and and uh, uh, looking at this, the, the you you find that the the book of Revelation alludes to the Old Testament. It says over four hundred times, and so the 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 Bible needs to be the number one source of what we study. You, you can get so confused by all of the all of the books that are out there. I, I mean, I've been in the ministry 30-some years now, and I'm still very cautious on the books that I read dealing with the end of times. And I, I want them, the, the only ones that I that I read are, are those that I know who are take a very conservative view on the scripture that definitely testify that they believe that all of the Bible is God's word, that they're dispensationalists. And uh, we, we might get into that a little bit, but probably not too much. But that, that's for another day in hermeneutics, okay? But um, it, they're going to take a dispensational view of things. And, and, and just know that they're they're, they're solid Bible believers, Bible teachers, that you can see the hand of God has been using them and blessing them, and, and many of them are dead now, and, and so uh, I appreciate that, because what you find is that when you're dealing with something that's in the future that we really do not know, you have all kinds of ideas, and so we, we need to be careful with those, and, but we also need to be careful in that I wrote this down. Be careful of, of drawing hard and fast rules of fellowship based on what hasn't happened yet. I mean, we can, we can be pretty hard and fast on many of these things. However, there, there may be some that we might find out we're wrong. You know, I, I love what a good friend of mine told me. He said, brother, he said, I am I am." I believe the rapture is next, pre-trib is what we call that, pre-tribulational. We believe that the rapture is next to happen and then the tribulation comes. And But there are some that believe in mid-tribulation that we won't be raptured out until middle of the tribulation. And, and he told me, he said, you know, brother, I am I am definitely pre-trib, but, but however, if we land into the tribulation, I'm running to the mid-trib position just as quickly as I can get there, you know? <laughs> And I, I think that sometimes what we do, though, is we're going to base our fellowship on everybody must see this exactly like we see it. And, and as I've gotten older, there's just, as you get older and the more you study the Bible, the more questions you have on some things. And, and it's really hard to be dogmatic on some things that are prophecy that, that uh, you're just not exactly sure on some things. Now, Things we can be dogmatic on, we're going to be dogmatic on, and but there might be some. So I say that just to, I, I don't know, there, there are good men out there that are going to disagree on some of the things that take place in Revelation in, in the process of it, but for the most part, <clears throat> we, uh, we're all pretty much together, but just be careful with, with uh drawing some really hard lines on certain things. And, and so we're going to do our best to interpret the mysteries as, as best we can with our knowledge and abilities. And, and really, other than the first three chapters, uh, we're going to be dealing with this in what's called the futuristic view. So 
I believe that we can see that in chapter 1, describing uh, what John sees in that vision of Jesus, we'll see in chapters 2 and 3, it's, a, it's more of a, um, a time where I, I've, uh, they're epistolary, they're, uh, like an epistle, uh, an epistle, and so the first three chapters are more like that, uh, more, um, well, they're just easier to understand, and I believe that, I do believe, I take the, the view, the stand is the only one I'm going to teach, uh, some might disagree, but I just think there's just too many holes, and those seven churches were seven physical churches that John was writing to, and so uh, some believe that those churches were seven different time periods uh, in in the history of Christianity, but there's just too many holes, too many questions, and and even the you know the one that they leave for today, uh, um, the churches today. Really, churches today can actually represent any of those seven churches today. And so it's still a very vivid description of churches today. I, and and uh, I, I'm amazed at how, how lost some of our churches have become, how, how lost our uh, pastors have become in just getting to the Scripture. I had a testimony from a visiting family this morning that, was leaving after the service, and they said, just really appreciate the church. Uh, second or third time they've been here, she has said, I really appreciate the, the stands that the church takes. I appreciate the supporting of, of life and supporting the Caring Pregnancy Center. Um, she said, I, we just left our last church when the pastor got up and apologized for Roe versus Wade being overturned. And, and we're, we're in a time where, just like I said in Connections this morning, that churches have become, I, I don't know, they, they focus so much on being culturally relevant that they've quit preaching and teaching the Word of God. They think that their ideas and they think that society, that, that culture is more important than the word of God. They've forgotten the power of God's word. God's word is as relevant today as it was the day he penned it. And so, and it always will be, and it is the word of God that needs to build this church. It's not some cultural guru that can sit up there and, and speak of the, uh, of, of the nuances of the culture of the day, but just get up there and proclaim, thus saith the Lord. And let God take his word and use it and, and leave that up to God. But, and that's right here in Morgan County. It just tells me that we have a lot of work to do because ultimately uh, characters like that, how, I, I don't want to get into that, but how many people are sitting there listening to that and in Morgan County never hear the gospel? You know, thank you. <laughs> uh, are we ready for the rapture? <clears throat> you know, we're not going to be paying attention. We're going to think, oh, it's that stupid air con or furnace, and all of a sudden you're going to hear the trumpet, and you're like, whoop, yeah, we were wrong. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so, but here we see that this is an apocalyptic book, and, and there's uh, 
I, uh, the first three chapters more like an epistle, but then everything from that on is prophetic. And so that's a futuristic view is, is what we're going to be looking at. And there are other ideas. I'm not going to go over those, some historical. And there, there's three other different kinds of views of, of Revelation, and many of those already ha- have tried to say that this has already taken place, and I, I cannot find that where these things have taken place described as they are. So we're just going to say that this is a prophetic book and we're going to interpret it that way. We're going to do our best to let the Bible interpret itself just as God tells us. And so not going to depend so much on secondary sources. I, and, and people do this out of kindheartedness and they, and they, you know, they want to be an encouragement. And I don't know how many books I've been given or referred to read about the end of times and i just i just don't read them i i don't uh i uh the time that i have i'm not going to waste on somebody's opinion on something that is way out there i just want to spend the time seeing what god's word says and that's what i would recommend you do we can you can get into some all kinds of weird ideas out there if you want to you want to look and so but we do know that the revelation is a vivid picture it's an understanding of the tribulation we know that the second coming the millennial kingdom and also the new heavens and earth i i had never met one thane met one and told me about a gentleman that says he's all millennial he does not believe that there uh, is a millennial kingdom I just don't understand, I can't understand it. I mean, I just can't, in my studies, uh, in Isaiah and uh, Zechariah and in Revelation, I don't see how you can see that there's not. There, other than in the Garden of Eden, there has never been a time when the lion laid down with the lamb. There, there's never been a time, but there will be in the millennial kingdom. And uh, just one simple thing. So we're... we're there, there is a millennial kingdom, and, and we're going to see that. And the, the thing that we can trust and, and go on and know that God is going to bless this, in chapter 1, verse 3, this is what it says. Blessed. So happy. Happy is he, right? This is the beatitude. There, there are actually seven beatitudes in, in uh, Revelation. And so maybe we'll... Uh, point those out uh, later also. But happy is he that readeth. And so here, th- this is a present tense, okay? So not only are you going to read it once, but you need to read it over and over and over. You need to keep reading it. You need to stay in the Word of God. And, and in this, keep reading and, and understanding what the prophecies are saying. And they that hear the words of this prophecy. That, that word here, has the, it's, an, it's an action, okay? And it has the idea of not only hearing what, what's being said and what's being taught, what's being preached, what's being read, that you also are hearing it with the attitude of heeding, obeying, doing what it says, and doing our part in what he's telling us to do. And so here, heed the words of this prophecy. So uh, even here, some trying to say this is a historical book, the book itself tells us that it is a prophetical book. And we also know that it's written at the very last of, 
of the, the first century church, and so uh, all of this was to take place after that. And so the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. That word keep is, is the verse, is a word that throughout the entire Bible, just like our theme uh, that we have of being the watchman, the word keep in the Hebrew, the word keep in the, in the Greek, the word keep that we have even in our English today has the same thing, to guard, to protect, to, to keep it in safety, to preserve it. I mean, all of those things. And, and what is it that we keep? Keep those things which are written therein. And so we keep it in the Word of God. We keep it tucked away in our heart. We keep it tucked away in our mind as we memorize the Scripture and understanding what it says. And so we keep that uh, those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. The time is near. And so let us be prepared. And it's all a part of being prepared for eternity. And, and this is what, what he is uh, telling us to do. And, and let us make sure that that's what we do. So there, if you, another way you can tell if someone has more of a liberal standing on the interpretation of Revelation is if they question the authorship being John. Um, I, I don't, only liberals can deny that John is the author when John says in verse 4, John to the seven churches. And then in verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so then there's those that would question and think that maybe he wrote this much earlier, somewhere around the 60s. However, we know that in the 60s that Paul was writing to many of these churches and was commending them for the good things that they were doing. And here we see that most of them, that there was, there was a criticism about them that some things that they had let slip. I think it's also a fair warning for all of us in, in that uh, from when Paul wrote to Ephesus and Laodicea and many of Thyatira and these others that uh, visited those and said things about them, that, that commending them for their good things. In 30 years, you look how far they had slipped in, in their behavior, in their lack of faith, their disobedience, and how important it is for all of us to be accountable to one another and stay true to the teaching and preaching of God's Word and not slip in any of that. And so, but John makes a statement here that, that he is the author, and, and uh, he also even, even states it all the way uh, in the very last chapter in John chapter 22 and verse 8. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. So John is, is the author that God used to pin these things. And, and we also know that it's John because of some of the, you find this with, with the different writers, but John uses often uh, the phrase, the word. Remember how he started out the gospel in the beginning was the word, right? And, and the word was with us and, and the, the word was God and Anyway, I messed that up, but you know what I'm saying. And so, use the word. He uses the Lamb of God quite often. 
throughout the gospel. He uses the Lamb of God here. He's the only one who in his gospel and then also here uh, used the word tabernacle. And so uh, John is the one showing us and, and he's the only one also that refers in his gospel and also in the book of Revelation of the, um, the, the guard thrusting the spear into the side of Jesus. And so uh, we know he's the only one that referred to all of those. So it was written somewhere, they believe, in, in A.D. 95 or 96. So we are uh, 60 years after the, uh, the crucifixion of Christ, right? And, and so uh, moving forward, and so we're 100 years into this now, and, and uh, we, we find that um, some would question that. However, Nero, what was Nero well known to do to Christians? Kill them. He, he didn't waste any time with them. He just had them killed. I mean, that's what he did. He was a bloody uh, leader and didn't take any time. But then the one that preceded him then was Domitian. But Domitian was one who... who uh, didn't want to be, uh, he wanted to be more political, and so by passing laws, then they go after the Christians, and instead of killing them, they just banished them to different islands, and so they would banish these Christians as criminals, as they did other criminals, they would banish them to islands where they would serve out their time, and so, and we know that John was banished, and we know that Patmos was one of those islands where criminals were banished to, uh, it was in the Aegean Sea, in the sea, Aegean Sea, and it was about 75. If you want to look on a map, if you're kind of like me, I like to see where it's at. But uh, Ephesus was was a port city, and straight down south of Ephesus and off to the west, just a little ways, uh, it was the island of Patmos, about 75 miles from Ephesus. And so there he was banished, and it was there that he was given these visions. And it was there that uh, he wrote to the seven churches and then also recorded the, the uh, visions that we're going to look at. So I want to give you a very basic outline, and the Bible gives it to us in chapter 1 and verse 19. This is a very simple outline that uh, outlines easily the book of Revelation. It says, write the things which thou hast seen. So Roman numeral 1 would be, the things which thou hast seen, that would be chapter 1, all of chapter 1, first, all 20 verses. Then he says, and the things which are, the things which are, are the, the churches. And so chapters 2 and chapters 3, chapters 2 and 3, are the things which are. And then from verse 1 of chapter 4 all the way to the end of chapter 22, verse 21, the things which shall be hereafter. So that's a very simple outline. It can help you to understand uh, more of, of what we're dealing with here. And, um, so, and then if you want this division, I'll end with this, okay? Like I said, kind of an introduction tonight, so bear with me, but... Uh, in this division and, and in this outline, then, we have the, the things which, are, uh, which thou hast seen. We have John's vision of Jesus Christ. That's chapter 1. 
chapter 2 and chapter 3 are the seven churches. Those are the things which are. Okay, so I put those under uh, Roman numeral 2. And then under Roman numeral 3, I have several things. In chapters 4 and 5, you have the judge and his throne. So you have a description again of Jesus. And, and we're going to, to and, and God places Jesus as the judge. And it's interesting because uh, here we see in that position as, as the judge, we so often picture it to be uh, God the Father, but it's Jesus who's going to be at that judgment and judgment seat of Christ for the believer and the bema seat of Christ uh, for the unbeliever. And uh, why? Because that's the one, that's the one sin that sends you to hell. You understand that? There's one sin that will send you to hell. It's unbelief. When, when you reject Jesus Christ, you're not believing in the death, burial, and resurrection. You're not believing in the gospel. You're not believing in the sacrifice that Jesus has made. That is the sin that will send you to hell. No other sin will send you to hell. But the sin of unbelief sends you to hell. And so, and, and so where's your faith? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? I pray that you have. And so that will come to fruition, and though they will be judged by Jesus. And so chapters 4 and 5, then, are the judge and his throne. Chapter 6 through chapter 19, verse 10, we have the tribulation. One thing that you need to understand when we get into looking at the tribulation, and so when we, we get into to chapter 6, and we need to understand that everything that is written there isn't necessarily in chronological order, okay? So he's going to be talking about several things, and several things can be happening, and, and so uh, bringing in talks about this and then he'll talk about this but they're overlapping and we'll I'll do my best to help you understand those things that so because you and that's where it just comes time and understanding the scripture where you you find that not everything there is necessarily uh, in a in a progression and so because otherwise it can lead to some some confusion okay but chapter 6 through chapter 19 verse 10 dealing with the tribulation. The rest of chapter 19, verse 11 through 21, is dealing with his second coming. So that's when he comes at the Battle of Armageddon, the Valley of Megiddo, and it's there where it tells us that the blood will, will fill the valley up to the, the depth of the, the uh, horse's bridle. Uh, it, it will be a place where the birds are picking the flesh. I mean, it will be a bloody bloody battle and and they'll be defeated uh with the spoken word of jesus that's the amazing thing and so and then chapter 20 is the millennial kingdom describes the millennial kingdom you know there's some questions in the millennial kingdom that i can't answer i do know that it tells us that we as believers will reign with him and we will be here, and so we'll, we'll be in our in our semi, I guess, eternal state. I mean, we're eternal, okay, 
we're not going anywhere, but there's going to be people born and live through the millennial kingdom. I wonder how long they will live. I, I wonder if they will still live to the 70 years promised, you know, or will they live longer than that? Or I, I, I don't know, but uh, they're going to have children and there's going to be many more people come during that thousand years because uh, it tells us that it, it's not going to be a perfect state like the eternal state that we'll be in, but it will be a perfect rule because Jesus will be ruling from the throne. And so he will punish the unrighteous. He's going to punish those that... And you would think that people would be smart enough to, to run to Jesus and even during that time trust him, but there will be many, many, many at the end of the thousand-year period that Satan is loosed for a moment, for a season... And many of them will follow him. Isn't that sad? I mean, through seeing the perfectness of our Savior and still reject him, it just reminds us of how hard a heart can be. And so, but, and it tells us at the end of that millennial kingdom that uh, Satan will be cast into the lake of fire where the Antichrist and the false prophet are already at. The angels that followed him, the demons, will also be there. And then the end of chapter 20 is the great white throne judgment where that's where all the unbelievers, they will be in front of God and they will be judged and even by their works will show their disbelief and rejection of Jesus and they too will be cast into the lake of fire. And then we have chapter 21 and chapter 22, we have the eternal state. And something else that I can't answer, I, I'm not sure right now what heaven is like i mean you're in the presence of god so it's sure not bad okay but he really he doesn't say that he wipes away all tears until we get to that eternal state in chapter 21 i i don't know i, I don't know um i don't know what i i, I know it's a great place obviously and i want to be there and, and i'll find out but it's just interesting that he doesn't state about wiping away the tears, actually, until uh, there at the end. So I use that often in funerals because if you're in heaven, you're going to have it, okay? And so, but right now, do they have it? I don't know. But I don't believe that they're looking down on us. I don't think that would be heaven at all if you're up there in heaven and looking down and seeing the mess that's down here, you know? I just don't see how that could be be the case. They are, God's definitely got them busy, and they are enjoying the presence of our Savior, and they're looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that God is going to bring to us. And that's what we see, chapters 21 and 22. So I'll, uh, I'll put this in an outline, and what I'll start doing is maybe we'll do like what we did before where we had those small ones, and we can get some little binders, and I'll give you outlines, and you guys can put this in a little book, and then you can use it later for your studies and uh, be a help to you as you read through this. So, uh, like I said, a little different tonight, but anybody have any questions, concerns, fears? All right. It's going to be a great study, and we're going to do our best when we're done with this to hopefully have a far better understanding of what the book of Revelation is talking about and looking forward to the day
when we see our Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for this book. And Lord, you say, blessed is he that readeth. And, and Lord, help us to read it, to study it. And Lord, give us a joy from what we're going to see here. And no fear and, and just preparation. And, and truly to be compelled to tell others about you. And Lord, I thank you for our group that we have tonight. And I pray your hand of blessing be upon them. Pray that you use us this week. Lord, I pray for the Midcats. Thank you, Father, for bringing them to us tonight. And, and Lord, I pray that we can be what we need to be for them. And, and that, Father, you will just uh, give us wisdom in, in how to be a blessing to them. And, Lord, we just thank you for them. And thank you, Lord, for all of our church family. Pray that you bless this uh, funeral that we're going to be conducting on Thursday. Pray, Father, that you will be uh, honored in that. And that, Lord, I pray that if it be your will, that you'd even save someone that day. Lord, I ask that you will bless this week. Use us, Lord, and bring us back when the doors are open. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening.